Movies and More, where my co-host Lei Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoy this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts. And of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am the Managing Director at Sinawato Insights, a global management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at sinawatoinsights.com, which of course, I encourage you all to do. Good afternoon, Lei. Can you please introduce yourself? Hey, uh... Good afternoon to a clearly overworked <laughs> two, uh, and good afternoon to everyone in the room. This is your co-host Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number one hundred four. Let's start off with Ford and CATL. I think this is I've tweeted that this so far in twenty twenty three is the blockbuster deal of the year so far in the. China, U.S. EV related space, and I think it blows <laughs> a lot of preconceived notions out of the water. Yeah, and a lot of the skeptics are still trying to explain it to themselves. So, yeah, I, I know you had explained this in extensive length in your newsletter. So, did you agree with everything? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, you probably could just can just repeat what you wrote, basically, and I'll I'll give you some of my color on what I think why this is the the blockbuster deal of the year. So what Lay and I are talking about, and I'm going to call this out, and we're only in February, so we can expect more fireworks. But what Lay is talking about and referring to is an announcement by Ford that they are partnering with CATL. Effectively licensing CATL's technology for LFP battery cell manufacturing and building a factory in Marshall, Michigan, about 100 miles west of Detroit, in order to supply LFP batteries, at least initially, for its F-150 Lightning and its Mustang Mach-E. Now, they currently both use NCM batteries, I think from LG. From the Koreans. Yeah, price points are much higher. So what they want to do with the LFP batteries is reduce the the MSRP of the base model Mustang Mach E and the Ford must or Ford F150 Lightning. Now they have also just this week, and this has nothing to do with this announcement, but they have shut down the Ford factory that's building the F150 Lightning because of a battery quality issue or a potential battery quality issue. So we can expect more of these hiccups as more of the legacy companies start to ramp more than one or two products. But what Lay was also referring to in this week's newsletter, I unpacked it and I put it up top because I thought it was important enough to do that. Yes. So my theory is that none of the U.S. legacies with the current IRA can build affordable EVs using the NCM battery cell technology this decade. So the cell chemistries need to be LFP. And the lion's share of most investment in China, in Europe, and the United States is for LFP uh, battery capacity for, for manufacturing or fabrication. You know, Ford not only picked a Chinese battery cell manufacturer, they picked the biggest one. And CATL last year commanded 37% global market share 
of battery cell sales. Now, number two, or not number two, but uh, BYD, if you add BYD and CATL together, they commanded 50%. And so the LFP market is owned by China Battery Inc. I think that's a very, very important tidbit of information to remember. And I also surmised, or I also am speculating that now that Ford has given the largest battery cell manufacturer cover fire in order to build in the United States, there will be others. And I've heard already that there's a legacy that has reached out to one or two of the companies that you and I tracked. I won't say who because it's just rumor for now, but to look for a similar deal. Okay. And we know that Ford and GM have already committed to investing several billion dollars to build out the MCM, NCM side in Kentucky and in Tennessee. So this is an important win for the state of Michigan, but it's a bit controversial because it is a China battery supplier. And what Ford tried to get confirmation for before they made this announcement was that the battery cells that were going to be fabbed at this factory in Marshall, Michigan, would receive the subsidies and the uh, credits for being built locally. And so it looks like they got some assurances on that. But it's a moving target because the final language has not been, the ink is still not dry on that final language. So I think there could be some wrangling still going on in Washington, D.C. to make sure that this The benefits from Ford building batteries themselves are completely and 100% realized as opposed to just a certain percentage. And I'm going to be honest with you, I forget what else I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll cut you some slack since since you're busy the last few days. (laughs) Let me add this, though, because I do remember one thing. Not all of these change or not all of these legacy companies are created equal, right? Because GM last year, profit was about $9 billion, almost $10 billion. Ford lost $2 billion. And so they are wildly inefficient. And if they cannot make their cars more affordable, they're not going to be competitive in the United States. And they're in much deeper trouble than some of the other U.S. legacies that you and I track sometimes, the GMs, the Stellantises. And so this was a must win for Ford. And that's why it's so important that they get all of those credits from building locally. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin. So you said cover fire and and you've said this, we've said this many times on, on past shows. But to me, this is as much CATL doing the cover fire for Ford as it is Ford doing the cover fire for CATL because CATL has chosen the route of technology licensing rather than building on their own. And look, going back uh, history a little bit, so Ford and CATL an- officially announced this strategic cooperation uh, last July. Now, that was right around the time that the R- IRA was being discussed. It wasn't finalized. I think it was August, if I remember correctly. And and there was still a lot that could go wrong with the IRA. There was no guarantee at that point that the IRA was going to go through. Yeah, so I'm sure this discussion has 
had been going on for months, if not years, well before that strategic cooperation on how to handle it so that both sides of both parties can benefit without too much sensitivity, uh, while Ford can still enjoy some of these uh, credits. And if right. I tweeted that CNBC interview, which I thought was very pointed, the questions were, were really tough, okay? But I think Jim Farley, he, he pretty much dodged all the questions. And he just basically said, first of all, this is a Ford, 100% Ford-owned. They will be hiring employees building these uh, batteries. But from what I've heard from the CATL people, that not only is CATL providing the technology licensing of the LFP itself, but manufacturing operationally, I think CATL is also providing support. So in that sense, Ford does not know how to build LFP batteries. Let's just get that, you know. Not at scale. Not at scale. So this is where they've reached this kind of setup or arrangement that CATL is only doing certain things while Ford is, you know, it's it's Ford-invested, Ford-owned plant. But now, and also the fact that that uh, Jim Farley, he, he basically admitted that when it comes to this technology, there's no alternative. I think he meant none. no alternative to not only LFP, but to CATL, basically. And then, but he did mention one very interesting thing about the commercial business. So a lot of these F-150 Lightnings, he said Ford has 50% share of the uh, commercial business for that truck. So that will not be affected. That will get the $7,500 credit, no matter what. That That's basically what he said. But on the retail side, on the p- private passenger consumption, private purchase, he said it's still being, right, hashed out. Yes. So, which is important to to note. So they they made this announcement, betting on being able to get these credits. Yes, and that's their understanding. And it could still change. But and then we have this Bloomberg article about China getting worried about sensitive battery technology. I'm like, what sensitive battery technology? I think it's more superficial tit for tat than anything else. Really? Oh, that's saber rattling. That's Rubio saber rattling, and that's Chinese government tit for tat, right? I think this is going to go ahead, but given the the backdrop of what's happening above us, you're going to see these tit for tats continue to play out. But that Bloomberg article also pointed out that it's probably not going to affect this going forward. Yeah, and and there was an article I believe that said that Biden had thought about thought better about flying into Michigan to be a part of the announcement. And so I think that was a, a prudent move on his part to not be a part of it. Yeah, and CATL, again, has been extremely quiet since this announcement. In the Ford press release, there's one paragraph about CATL being the world's largest battery ink. Nothing mentioning that it was Chinese, but everybody knows. And CATL doesn't have their own press release on this, even though it's a huge, huge project. So no official acknowledgement from CATL in China no, about this deal. No. But a reminder to our audience that this is the third deal from the third Chinese battery cell manufacturer in the United States. 
So Goshen, if we're keeping track, Goshen had made an announcement late last year to build a battery cell component factory in western Michigan. Envision AESC had said that they were investing over a billion dollars in South Carolina to support the factory for BMW when they convert over the Spartanburg factory, when they convert over to EVs. And so they're not only coming, they're, they feel pretty comfortable. You know, it's more than one. It's large sums of money, large sums of capital that are being invested. And the let's not have the irony be lost on us because although Joe Manchin had different intentions, one of the intentions was to get more jobs into the United States. So that's happening consequentially. And in the same breath, almost, Ford announces that they're going to be laying off 3,200 people in Europe. And so this is what the IRA is meant to do. It's meant to attract investment into the United States. So Joe Manchin, intended consequences. But I think that the language was let's say, not as restrictive on purpose so that there could be some weasel room, weasel room to grandfather some Chinese companies in to support, at least in the short term, the legacy's production. So I don't know. I I don't think it's going to get rejected. I think this is a done deal. Whether or not Ford gets 100% of the credits, we'll have to see because if they do, then that increases the likelihood that there's another Chinese battery cell manufacturer that's going to partner with a legacy. And when I say U.S. legacy, I'm saying Toyota, I'm saying Hyundai, I'm saying BMW, all of the companies that are already manufacturing large amounts here, Volkswagen. So when I say U.S. legacies, I'm, I'm saying it in the broadest sense because I know BMW is a German company, but they build more BMWs in the United States than they do in Germany. So we could really see this be a domino effect and they could safely manufacture and then wait it out before they buy land and build their own factory here. So this gives them the opportunity to generate revenues right away from the IRA, even if it's indirectly. Yeah, let's just say this thing is going to go ahead, but it's going to drag along in muddy waters. That's what, what's been happening. And you mentioned possibilities of opening doors for others. So GM is moving away from Pouch. And they're supposed to announce a fourth battery project. What's going to happen there? You know, right? So, yeah. What's great, in my opinion, is that the, the GMs and the Fords are, we were wondering what Ford's response was going to be when GM had made the announcement about the $600 million investment in that lithium mine, and then had made the announcement about the Global Foundries Partnership for chips. So we see Ford didn't want GM to get all of the limelight, and they came out with this humongous announcement. And let's not minimize this. This is huge, huge news. And it's very polarizing. And You can point back to Governor Whitmer saying that they welcome everyone that wants to invest in the state of Michigan, in complete contrast to Governor Youngkin, the Virginia governor, who basically called, I think he 
I think his exact words were CATL is a CCP SOE or something like that. In, in, in Rubio's letter, he said CCP national champion. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that that might be true, but, yeah, uh, but you know, Youngkin, I think, called them a, a, a Chinese government funded company. So, yeah. I think wow. there's a lot of difference between that and a CCP national champion. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a good 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 detailed discussion about that. Yeah. So, what else do we want to talk about? And then similarly, uh, I listed Zeker's uh, financing. Uh, I think the only thing I'll point out is it's also a very delicate move. You know, it was investment by Professor Shashua, not Mobileye. Yes. I think it's it's a very calculated move as well. For for the uh, investment, I think that prof- uh, I think the is it professor? Yeah, professor Shashua. Yeah, I think they have a lot to lose with if Zeker abandons Mobileye. So maybe this is kind of a guarantee or hopeful for reassurance that they'll continue to work with Mobileye because Nvidia, Qualcomm, Aptiv, these companies are right on Mobileye's heels. So it's important that they get reassurance from these OEM partners that they're going to stick with them as long as the technology roadmap still progresses significantly over the next several years. So I think that's an important consideration and one of the reasons why he invested in the Zeker himself. Yeah, and following our last dis- discussion, last episode on Hosei, so more Chinese EV Inc. IPOs to look forward to. U.S. IPOs. <laughs> so... Yes. You brought up Geely's brand, right? Geely's new brand. Tell us about that. Oh, Milky Way, Galaxy, whatever. Galaxy? Yeah, Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was deliberately. I have no idea where this is going to fit in their portfolio. Right now, it's not a new brand. So Geely PR has confirmed that this is a new model series. It was still okay. badged a Geely brand, Geely Auto brand. But clearly, I mean... The way they launched this 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 uh, press release is dunking on BYD's Yang Wang because Yang Wang means looking up, and when you look up, yes, you see galaxy. <laughs> so that's that's the, and then all of these other China EV brands or not, even non EV brands come out with their own posters and and trying to guerrilla <laughs> market. It's yeah, <laughs> they just don't want. Any company, and not just Geely, but any company doesn't want any other company to get the spotlight for too long in China. Yeah, it's very difficult to 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 have something being talked for days. Life is very short. So, <laughs> I thought about this, Lay. You've heard of the band Van Halen. Yeah. So David Lee Roth was the lead singer of Van Halen for a long time. He left. And I want to say his first solo album was called Eat em and Smile. And Van Halen added Sammy Hagar as their lead singer. And I believe the first album that they came out with together with Sammy Hagar was OU812. So it's, it's in the similar vein. They're making fun of David Lee Roth's Eat em and Smile title for his uh, his album. So Pretty funny stuff. I think it's great. Yeah. A little competition never hurt anybody. But I'm still yeah. confused. It's Julie is still confusing. Yeah. Uh, it's not a new brand. It's a it's a, it's a new model series from from Geely Auto Brand. 
and supposedly designed by by Geely Auto's new VP of Design, who came over from Chang'an. So that's yeah, that's that. And so this is mainly China for China then. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was the Giga Shanghai stoppage production stoppage reportedly preparing for the refresh model three refresh. So yep. Now that's very interesting because it's going to set up a scenario where are you going to have the older Model 3 along with the newer Model 3 selling at the same time for a while? And if you do, can we expect a major price cut again, which I am expecting? And can we see a 200,000 RMB below even? Model 3, once that new Model 3 comes. This is what I'm watching. And I look at them shutting one of the lines down this early. Currently, the refresh is supposed to launch Q3 late in 23. So let's assume Q3, yes. Now, if they are retooling a line in February, my guess is that they're trying to pull job one production into July-August timeframe to start delivery in September at, at the latest. And so if they're retooling right now, they're rolling prototypes off that thing come March. And if manufacturing validation, engineering validation, production validation works out well, they could start rolling off the line in July-August. So I think they're trying to gain a couple of months uh, from that Q3 timeline. So don't be surprised if, to your point, they continue to build because they need more units for all of that capacity anyways. So they dump the price on the the last gen, the current gen, Model 3, and the next gen, Model 3, they increase price. That's what I was saying. Yep. Remember, Auto Shanghai is coming up. You got to show something for it, right? So, and it's home port for Tesla. So... They'll probably show the Model 3, new Model 3 at Auto Shanghai. All the windows might be blacked out and you can't open the doors, but they still might show it. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you got to consider, right, these these timings are are important. Yes. The one thing I did want to mention about Tesla, because we tend to dunk on them a little bit, I wanted to give them credit because in 2022, Tesla sold more EVs in Germany than Volkswagen did. And what we'll likely see is as Berlin Giga continues to ramp and can get to three, four, five, six thousand units, uh, three, three, four, five thousand units per week, that might create another opportunity to reduce price and keep that pressure on Volkswagen. So the distance between Volkswagen and Tesla from a sales volume standpoint in 2023 in Germany, could actually widen. I think it's important to note that because Volks, that's, that's Volkswagen's home turf. And so psychologically, that must psych people out at, at Volkswagen to get beat by Tesla. So, And, you know, as we were discussing uh, earlier this morning before our panel with Elliot, I shared a, a video, not a video, but a screenshot which of a video which said in 50 hours out of the Shanghai port, over 10,000 EVs were exported. And I think 
over 9,000 of those were Teslas, Giga Shanghai Teslas. Yeah, so just, just some of the latest uh, numbers. So exports are still going strong for Shanghai Giga. Yes. And we do know traditionally that the earlier months, they focus more on the export markets. So this makes a lot of sense. But where is it going? Is it still predominantly going to Europe or what? Uh, Europe, yes. Well, they are they are trying to smooth out the delivery process per quarter, right? No longer doing that hell production delivery hell or whatever. And then that big recall in the U.S., right? <laughs> Again, OTA to solve an issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's, these sometimes I, I feel like it's it's positive news for Tesla, even though it's negative. Yeah, and I feel that with Tesla, at any moment, we should see exports to Europe kind of drop significantly. But I I don't know if that is more to do with Berlin slow to ramp and having challenges, or if they're, they're slow rolling ramping Berlin Giga in order to keep exports coming out of Shanghai Giga. Yeah. So... I, I just don't know if demand has slowed that much in China that they still need to keep that export channel open. And that's why they're not ramping as aggressively in Berlin as they would have in Shanghai two years ago. So, And then the other topic I wanted to bring up is the latest on the Xiaomi plant in Beijing. The latest I've heard is that Borgward plant is still not the license. The permit is not is still not finalized. I heard, although we've seen you know uh, reports, but it would be the perfect situation. I mean, uh, it's that plan in Miyun is it's like one of the few specially uh, certified uh, plants in, in China because of the processes and the equipment in there. So that's still not finalized yet. It'll have a capacity of one hundred fifty thousand units to begin, right? But there are opportunities that Xiaomi still has because they don't plan on production start until early 24. And uh, I believe Bianca is also in 24, but we should see Robo1s yes. that have chat G- GPT. I think that's great because not in the sense that you know everybody's trying to copy ChatGPT, right? It's trying to piggyback on, on ChatGPT. But if anyone were to do it, it's Baidu, right? Because Baidu already have those products, have those voice yes. products that, that I've even used, you know, the the Xiaodu, uh, the, the video screen, the, the prior generation that I'm, I'm still using to talk to my uh, father-in-law in, in Beijing all these years. So... I guess it's it's almost like a step up from from a Nomi interaction where you just kind of talk to it and then it better be right yeah and then it spits out you know Chat GPT style answers at you and then right <laughs> and one of the things that I'd written in the newsletter this week about that GDU Robo One is that once it hits the road in China it'll jump to number one as the most technologically advanced electric smart EV in the world. In my estimation, yeah. Well, still got a lot of work to do. So I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty excited and anxious to see how it all works together. And that is the key because you and I are cheerleaders for Frank Wu. And so we know that he's a terrific designer, but 
he's he's got some challenges ahead of him because if the technology is clunky, the design will be clunky. And so yeah. I think I think he's gonna put something really, really special together. So I'm rooting for him. If he does, if and when he does, it's just going to push the sector forward. So he he's gonna give other Chinese EV makers a roadmap to less buttons, less knobs, more vocal and gesture interaction, I think. So if he can push the envelope all the way, then let's bring it on. Let's see it. Because the Chinese consumer will also likely be the most open-minded about that cutting-edge technology in their vehicles anyways. And then CEO Zhou Xia, he kind of dunked on Tesla, like <laughs> what Munger did on this also CNBC interview, was it? Uh, did, you, did you saw yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, uh, almost 100 year old. That dude is 100 years old. <laughs> it's crazy. And he is still so sharp. Yeah. A little bit combative about his investment in BYD, but yeah. he didn't say anything that wasn't true. Uh, yeah. So it's not like Berkshire doesn't still have a pretty decent sized position in BYD. They sold some, but they still own some some BYD shares. And he said, it's not a cheap stock anymore. It's 50 times uh, earnings. Yeah, so they got to do what they got to do. <laughs> and he, he pointedly said, little BYD is worth more than Mercedes right now. Yeah, they're, they're number... So... They're number three or... Three. I think they're number, number three behind... Behind Toyota. Toyota, yeah. Right, right three or four. They're three Porsche. or four. Yeah, three or four. Neck and neck with Porsche. And so he's absolutely right. When they were, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh place, yeah, it was a it was a growth stock. But they're the third most valuable vehicle manufacturer in the world, so they're getting some some uh, recognition. And the other day we were ch- chatting about their target this year, and we we talked about capacity. They will have capacity of close to four million in China by the end of this year, and their internal target is over four million. Sales. Yes. And they also have that Thai plant, which has 150,000 units up and running uh, later later this year. And they are also going to be building in India kits, yeah. right? Well, Thailand and, and India are CKD, right? Knockdown yeah. kits. So they're shipping. And what a kit is or what a CKD is, is an almost finished product that gets finally final assembly in that location in Thailand, in India. And that's in order to avoid the finished good tariff or the tax. This creates an easy way. So GM and Ford used to do that in Australia. They used to ship kits down to Australia and final assembly was done there. They also manufactured locally for the Australian market, but that got too costly. And so they've completely shut down every factory. I don't think any vehicles in Australia or any vehicles sold in Australia are actually built in Australia anymore. But uh, yeah, for those that have not seen the video, it was posted yesterday. It was an interview of Charlie Munger on CNBC, 100 years old and, you know, physically a little bit slow. But you can tell his mind is still all there. Yep. And it's impressive because off the top of his head, he's spouting off all these numbers. He's spouting off all these statistics about BYD. So I'm half his age and I find that difficult to do. <laughs> and, and then quickly going back to Ford uh, CATL again, uh, I just thought of a, a, a another perspective is Ford had a 
bad year in 2022 compared to their cross-down rival. Yep. And time is of the essence. They don't have that much time. Yes. And if, I think Jim was also in that CNBC article, uh, interview, was saying, yeah, we, you know, these take time. And in order to reduce costs to have these pro- projects, CATL is relative, re- readily available. So you consider all those factors, there's, you, you make that decision, right? Otherwise, you, you wait, and then it's going to be the end of this decade. If you were to, let's say, I don't know, a, a company like a, a Next Energy, which is trying to be the American CATL, I think it'll take them even quite a few years to, to ramp that plant, right? Their technology has not been validated yet. And so it, could, it still could be a while. The, the other thing that I wanted to also mention that now, now that my memory has been jogged <laughs> is that in 2015, and you keep me honest, Lay, because I know you're very good at m- remembering all these things, Ford was over a million units of sales in China. I think for like two consecutive years, they were over a million units. Yes. And last year, there were, I don't know the exact number, but they were less than 300,000 units. So in a very, very short period of time, they lost 60, 70, 80% of their share. And I'm speculating again, but you know that I'm probably, there's probably a good chance I'm, I'm, I'm correct that partnering with CATL can't make them look bad in front of the Chinese government either. <laughs> and if they need help in some way, shape, or form in the China market, if they decide to stay there, because today you know that I had that panel discussion with John McElroy and Joe White. You should watch it if you get a chance. Joe did say that in Q4 on their uh, financial statement, they took a impairment charge for China operations. So they're reconciling the business there. And does that mean they're going to exit the market? Probably not, but it needs to be right-sized because if you are running at a million units, and but this is where the relationship with Chang'an is just exacerbates their situation because it's so difficult to work with them. If you if you ask Ford employees in China, it is they have to right-size. You, you can't go from a million units to 300,000 without getting much, much smaller to support that manufacturing footprint. And so if they're to do that, they would likely need the Chinese government's help or catch a lot of flack for getting much smaller. So, And their joint venture, the other joint venture, actually may have done better than, than the joint venture with Chang'an, JMC joint venture, <laughs> which is started as a commercial vehicle, like commercial vehicle joint venture, but has also moved into, you know, these SUVs, right? Yes. I think that was always meant to be that way because of the Chang'an, the challenging Chang'an relationship. The last thing I'll also say is that they, maybe they feel like they got burned by BYD in China. (laughs) And that might be another reason they picked CATL. And we've talked about this months ago, but Ford launched the Mach-E in... April 2021. Well, they they announced the Mach-E in... in at the Shanghai Auto Show. And they launched production late 2021. And Xi'an just happened to go sh- go on a shutdown, lockdown, in December and January, right when Maki was ramping in Chongqing. 
BYD is supplying the Mach-E with NCM batteries, not blade batteries, but NCM batteries from the Xi'an factory. And they could not produce any NCM batteries because of that lockdown or, or any significant quantity of NCM. I don't actually know if they actually did not produce any or ship any to, to Chang'an, but that I'm sure they blame BYD partly for their unsuccessful ramp and launch of the Mach-E because it's currently struggling to even sell 500, 600 units a month, I think. Yeah, I think Mach-E, Made in China Mach-E was one of those models where when it launched, it had maybe the most fanfare among any of these foreign branded EV models to when they flopped. It, it flopped dramatically, I think. Yeah, so I was at that Shanghai Auto Show, and that was also the one that the woman danced on the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you, because I met with some Ford people there who wanted to show me around the EVOS and the Lincoln too, and there was always a crowd lined up at that Mach-E. So I had thought, and I put that, I put a big asterisk there. Upon successful launch, we should see the Mach E sell fairly well. We did not see that at all. And so, you in China specifically, you only have that one chance to make a good impression. And they missed it, and that window closed. So, unless they do a, a quick refresh, you reduce pricing or both, then the Mach E is going to struggle to gain any share in China in the next couple of years. Ford is just under pressure in all sorts of areas. Last year's bad earnings, China, product quality issues, uh, the CATL sensitivity, right? It just hasn't been that smooth. Yeah. So, but... For you listeners, that means if you're listening to China EVs and more, you have a global view on on the automotive sector. So keep an eye on what Ford is doing in China or what they're not doing because it's going to dictate what they do in the United States. So. Yeah, remember they they announced that 2.0 strategy at Auto Shanghai 2019, and that hasn't been executed well. I mean, there's the pandemic, but it's yeah. Well. And, and I won't say any names, but there were a few executives that got pushed out because of some of the challenges over the last few years. Uh, and I think you know one of them that I'm talking about in particular. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting because Ford, they had so much momentum in 2014, 2015, 2016. And then they flailed because they didn't replace their China GM for f- five years, effectively. So let's do this because I know you and I have to leave and it's 520 anyways. So let's open the room up. If there are no questions and you don't have anything else, Lay. Well, the only other thing I'll mention is since that you, you we we talked about Auto Shanghai, February eighteenth will be the exactly two months away from the first press day of Auto Shanghai, which is April eighteenth. And do you know when our first clubhouse room happened? <laughs> I have no idea. No clue. February eighteenth, twenty twenty one. Nice. So it's been nearly nice. two years to the day. Two more days. It's been two years. Yeah, it's been two years to the day that we started playing around with this China EVs and more thing. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're just very hard-headed, right? Like, hey, man, let's keep, let's keep at this. Let's keep at this. We know people want to know. Yeah, I think the, two, the past two years have gone faster 
because of this China is more. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yes, just, but it's it's been good for both of us professionally because it forces us to keep track. And I think you look at the markets in a different way than I do. So I learn from you, and I I hope you learn from me a little bit. So. And I think it's great to hear what Taylor told us. I mean, he's in Shenzhen. He visited Deep Route, and and what Deep Deep Route said about our our episode with uh, Maxwell. <laughs> so that was great to yeah, hear. Man. Yeah, <laughs> more more Max episodes to come from both of us. So, so. Maxwell is our third most downloaded. Frank Wu is our second most, and uh, Omar with Innovis is our top downloaded <laughs> yes. episodes. So. We're gonna beat we're gonna beat all of those this year with some other Max episodes. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for joining. Just housekeeping. Next week I'll be on the West Coast, so we'll figure out a time and maybe a day to do this for next week. But other than that, I'm good. Okay, everyone. Hey, thanks for joining. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. We will catch you all next week. Bye bye. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee. And you can find me on Twitter at SinoAutoInsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcasts from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.